You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 303. I am Tim Robertson. I am David Cohen. And uh, David's in a little bit different spot this time, so if we pick up any background chatter or anything, we apologize ahead of time because, yes. yeah, things happen. Yeah. Um, I will just walk across the room and quietly murder one of my colleagues. I will do it quietly so it doesn't disturb the show too much. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear any blood-curling screams. You just mute it. We'll be all right. Just mute it. Yeah, okay. So, not a lot going on in my tech world here, David. It's uh, I've been working a lot. Today's my day off, as you know. Yeah. But as soon as we get done recording, I'm not even going to edit the show right away. It's going to be tonight because i got to run into work. And I'll be working probably five or six hours today. But Those cars happens. don't sell themselves. Well, I sold two cars yesterday. and Well, one of them I sold yesterday. I got to deliver this morning, well, this afternoon. And the other one I have to go in. It'll be like at 5 o'clock. But mm. this guy wanted a very particular truck, and there was one on the entire eastern seaboard. Wow. I did a search for 2,000 miles away, and there was two. One of them was already sold, and the other one was available, and that dealership traded us so that car should have arrived this morning or late last night and now how far did that car come is because it's crazy to me that you can search such a wide area and get something so quickly it was about 250 miles away wow so when you do a dealer trade like that you know it we're the ones initiating it and you don't put it on a truck and have it shipped out that would be very cost prohibitive Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that dealership, they decide whether they want to trade that vehicle. They usually do because if they need something, they want to, you know, they yeah. want to trade with you. So they then look on our website and or technically, no, not the website, the internal thing that dealerships can see. They see something that they want. And so since we initiated the trade, our driver will get in the car they want, drive it down to them, get in the car we're getting and drive it back. Right. So that's how that works. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I got to do today. Not driving. I mean, I just go in there and make sure the car was uh, fueled and prepped and usher them through you, uh, finance. Do you ever get problems where somebody's doing that and then on the way to you, the car, something happens to it? Very rare. Um, mm-hmm. Most of our drivers are retirees. It's just something yeah. they do on the side. And I think one time we we had a, uh, a fully loaded Highlander. I, I mean, this one was like a, a $55,000 vehicle. Mm-hmm. And a semi's truck, uh, a semi-trailer, the tire unpeeled and it came right. back and it hit the vehicle. Mm-hmm. It didn't cause any structural damage or engine damage, but it, it cracked the window and it dented something and it broke the headlight. So, I mean, that goes on the Carfax. So when someone's looking at that vehicle and they want to pull the Carfax, they'll see it was in an accident. Yeah. And that, of course, lowers the value of the vehicle. But it's it's really rare when something like that happens. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness, because uh, <laughs> those things are not cheap. I can, you can imagine you're going to pick your car up and, uh, you know, they walk through the door and the guy goes, Oh, Mr. What Brown, thank heck? you very much. By the way. Yeah. Don't look um, at the Carfax. Fortunately. No, it's worse than that. It's to say, unfortunately, no, there was a 25-car pileup on the interstate uh, about 30 miles from here, and your car was in the middle of it. 
<laughs> you know, it's a it's a risk, but yeah, the the people that we have, you know, driving the cars for us, they're they're good guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does happen. Very rare, though. Yep. Speaking of uh, things happening, the the My Mac Podcast is uh, still producing content out there, David. We we've got a lot of content lately. They're um, they're still doing their thing and doing it very well. Yep, uh, Club Nintendo's got a new episode, one sixty. He's this Tim Chatton is just cranking them along out there. Um, uh, you know what? There's a lot going on in Nintendo at the moment. Yeah, and uh, lots to talk about. And uh, it's you know, as as a as a fan of that particular company, it's an exciting time for them. You know, that things are really picking up. Um, the two DS, the ways. new one, that looks really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. what, is, what do we say? It's like 129 bucks, 139 bucks. I mean, it yeah. wasn't a lot of money mm-hmm. for for a dual screen. It's just as capable as the 3DS, but it's like half the cost. Yeah, and it doesn't have the stupid 3DX uh, 3D effects that no one cares that, about. That, yeah, that everyone turns off as soon as they've looked at it for five minutes. Yep, uh, geekiest show ever has an episode called at 2:58 called "We Are Amazon Primed." Uh, the MyMac Podcast has episode 3:56, and analysts agree with Gaz. <laughs> and finally, Essential Apple Podcast number 42, it's the coffin they carry you off in. I haven't listened to any of those episodes, to be honest. I've been so busy. I've, you know what? I've got such a backlog of podcasts, it's not even funny. I, I checked the other day. I think I've got about 100 hours of yeah. content that I could listen to if I wanted to. Well, I get a lot of driving time, but that's, it's, that's usually where I start getting caught up on podcasts. But that's going to change probably starting today. Because I am finally retiring the 05 Honda Accord with 200 and almost 260,000 miles on it. Wow. And the new vehicle, uh, it's an 07, but it's it's an immaculate shape. It's a Toyota Sequoia. Limited, so it's got everything. Except it doesn't have Bluetooth that I think of. I don't think it does anyways. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. And it doesn't have any way to put inputs into the sound system. It's a high-end audio system, too, JBL. but And it sounds great, but I, there, I can't listen to my shows in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bluetooth is pretty much a prerequisite nowadays um, because it's just the easiest way of getting stuff on. Well, now, I'm, I'm looking here. Apparently, there's a whole load of Bluetooth modules you can add to that car. Yes. Yeah, is that is that a, a route you might want to go, or are you going to go with the whole stereo replacement? I'm going to go with the stereo replacement. So I've been looking on um, eBay, mm-hmm. and there's just a ton of things, including ones. I, I, it's a double din, so it's a it's a bigger stereo system. Right. And I'm kind of looking at possibly picking up two because I like to replace the one in Julie's car as well. And you know, a lot of these now come with a backup camera kit. Um. Because once you get used to a backup camera, it's really hard not to have one. And I drive cars all day long at the dealership with backup camera, and the Honda never had one. Yeah. So I'm looking at that as well, but I'm going to have someone else install it. I'm not going to do it. No. Well, you. let's face it. You, you work at a car dealership. You must know a guy who knows I, a guy. I do. I, I know some guys. Yeah. So, Would you, but I'm still going to buy it online because I can get the same stereos for a quarter of the cost online. Yeah. 
Would you would you buy one with CarPlay in? Because I, I'm I thinking see... about it. Yeah, I'm thinking about it, but I don't know. I I'm torn about that to be honest. Why Why is that? Why is that a consideration? Why isn't it? Or why Why is no, it? Why Why are you torn about it? Why? why because I'm going to have to spend twice as much for one with CarPlay from what I'm seeing, and right. the benefits for me are negligible because I don't like Apple Maps. And the what? What else am I going to use CarPlay for? Well, doesn't it give you a much better interface to control your uh, control your iPhone for listening to music and podcasts and stuff with CarPlay? Sure, but I've already got the playlist built, so I just hit random play on the playlist I want to listen mm -hmm. to. And if it's a podcast, it's, it's probably anywhere from a half hour to a, an hour in length anyway. So I'm not fiddling with it. I hit play and I sit there and listen. Fair enough. So Bluetooth or a direct connection is more than ample for, I think for most people to be honest unless you love Apple Maps and I think Google Maps is much better I, I don't really have a need for Apple CarPlay it's just an extra expense that I can't justify fair enough I um, so I have the Infinity and I recently just last week plugged in a iPod directly via cable to it which I'd never done before um, and you kind of get a CarPlay light experience with that yep. way. You know, you can kind of get access to all the playlists and all the albums and the, the album art and everything um, through the Infinity using that, just using the cable. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether it supported voice control or Siri or anything like that, but um, it was interesting. But yeah, I, I kind of get you. Is that you know, I'm probably the same as you. Most of the time, I stick a playlist on and then leave it to go, and you don't interact with the thing at all. Yep, exactly. But I, I do know that, actually I just remembered that I believe that they, the previous owner said that he, he had added satellite to it, which it didn't have. And I don't know. I, I'm just going to have to get in there and play with it and see what's there. Maybe he had Bluetooth added. He very well could have. Yeah. And if that's the case, I'm not going to replace it anytime soon. But I do want to replace the one in Julie soon because the stereo in her car is not good. And she has no way of listening to her music from her phone at all or Bluetooth. So that's something I want to do regardless. So it's, and now it's I remember delving... you saying to me, yeah, I remember you saying to me a, a couple of months back, but all the modern cars now come with Bluetooth as standard, even the cheap ones. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, every single one of them. Yeah. And but so now I'm I'm on eBay looking at so many. I just I I I know Pioneer. I know JVC. There's yeah. so many of these I've never heard of, but the interface looks great. It's like, well, I don't know. Is this any good? I mean, it's probably better than what's in her car now, but I also don't want to get her one that's just inexpensive, but in a bad way. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, the, the problem with, with screenshots on eBay is sometimes what you actually get doesn't really represent, particularly with interfaces and stuff, doesn't really represent what, what you actually, they kind of Photoshop it and make it look better than it actually is. Yes. And every one of these that I'm looking at are, are like that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I'm looking at where they're shipping from. I'm not going to get anything that ships from China. It's got to be from the U.S. Of course. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm I'm just starting my search and research into it. But I am curious. Is there anybody out there listening to the show that recently did something like this? Put a new car stereo, an aftermarket car stereo in your vehicle, and... What were you looking for 
And, you know, is there any perils that I should be aware of? I mean, obviously, crappy eBay sellers, but I can always get my money back there. Yeah. Um, But no, seriously, though, what, what features do you think are essential at this point? You know, like they all come with, it plays DVD. I don't care about DVD. It's like, who, what do I care? Uh, uh, even, yeah, even if you have kids and you want to hook screens up. I mean, kids don't want to watch DVDs now. Yeah. They want to have a tablet. Yeah, and they all do. I mean, I've got yeah. extra fire tablets sitting here that I charge every week and no one ever uses. Yeah. Unless Brooke's fire tablet runs out of batteries and she comes and grabs one of these two. Um, but, you know, I do want an auxiliary import in the front. And I do want USB input on the front. So that does some kind kind of, you know, knock down my options. But I'm like, I'm looking at one right now. Let me focus it up. It's called Power Acoustics with a, with a K at the end. And it, right. it looks great. It has a CD player, which I don't care about, but okay, fine. Um, a nice knob. A mute button mode so you can go between the different inputs it's got a front loading aux jack and usb radio dvd bluetooth and an optional backup camera I, all that sounds kind of cool yeah but is it any good <laughs> i don't know and the optional steering wheel control which my this vehicle that i'm purchasing today has you know audio controls on the steering wheel and it would be really nice that i could actually use those yeah you'd i mean that's really what you want you don't want to make something in your new car redundant just because it's too difficult to hook up correct i i must admit i know nothing about how you do this in cars i presume i've always presumed there's some kind of bus that you can hook everything into and it just all kind of works but i don't know how hard that is yeah it's the it's what it usually is it's just a a wire going from you know the steering wheel into the back of the stereo and if and yeah, and presumably everything is. You would hope that everything is standard. And well, you get one that's the at the very has. yeah. At the very least, you get one that's compatible with the vehicle that you're you're buying. Yeah. And Toyota is one of the biggest brands out there, so there's tons, tons and tons and tons. But like the one I'm looking at here, he's sold 124 of these, and he's got a 98.7 percent positive feedback. So eh, I don't know. Sounds good. Yeah, and it's $199, and it comes with the dash kit as well. Because you can't just buy the stereo. you got to get the kit because you got to remove the other one, and when you put the new one in, there's gaps, or you know, you got to have a kit that's oh, so That's, that's really why. I, I, I remember um, when I was a young boy being in a car with my father, and a friend of his had fitted a stereo, and they were, you know, back then they weren't sophisticated. They were just you know, a tape player, radio, and that was about it. And mm-hmm. we're driving along, all of a sudden the smoke starts pouring out from underneath the the dash and it was acrid that burning plastic smell and he'd shorted something out and yep. you know there we go and so you really need somebody who knows what they're doing with this stuff and i used to actually do this quite a bit um my ex-brother-in-law actually ran a car stereo shop with one of my best friends so i understand it it's it's not too difficult i just don't want to do it i don't want to spend three hours researching it and another hour tearing the old one apart and then getting the new one in, and if there's any problems, I don't have the experience in the new systems to be able to troubleshoot it quickly. Yeah, particularly as it's a car that's new to you. There's nothing worse than getting something new and then doing something to it that makes you feel like you spoiled it. That's right. <laughs> you got it. But I sent you a picture of the car on uh, wire here. And, it looks uh, very nice. It's big. 
you know, it's my gas mileage is going to suck compared to what I'm used to. But you know what? We have winters here where the ice, the roads get nasty. This thing will be four by four. Um, it's going to be very comfortable to drive compared to what I've got. You know, Julie has an SUV and she says it feels like she's sitting on the ground when she rides in the Honda. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I, I've had this thing for a very long time. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's time. Yes. You know, if, if you've had something for that for that long, 206,000 miles is not to be sniffed at. No. So. It, it's paid for itself. I, I just yeah. don't know if I'm going to get rid of it, i.e. sell it to someone, or if Brittany's going to want it as her first car. Mm-hmm. Still runs great. It's burning oil now, so she's going to have to put oil in it occasionally. But other than that, it goes down the road. It's got brand new brakes, brand new tires on it. I mean, it's just I want something different. And if I'm going to drive 70 miles every day to work and back... I want to be more comfortable. Yeah, why not? Plus, it would be nice to, you know, drive a, a vehicle that's the vehicles that I sell. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So until, it, well, until you decide to upgrade the Ferrari, obviously. Right. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> we're a Toyota Jaguar dealership, so yeah. I, I go there. So, um, <laughs> Red Ferrari's going to stick out in the, in yeah, the yeah. car park. Yeah, I can do that. So I am curious, though, anybody out there have got any recent experience of doing stuff like this, let me know. I, I am very, very curious. And if you want to uh, let us know the virtues or the pitfalls of Apple CarPlay, I know Android's got their thing, too, but I don't have an Android phone, so I don't care. Um, let us know. You know, we it's, it's a topic that's fresh on my mind, and we'll definitely discuss it here on TechFan. Speaking of which, we do want to thank our sponsor. It's MacSales.com. Uh, they've been with us for uh, over a year now, David. Oh, isn't that crazy? Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm really kind of looking forward to uh, being in the area, and I, I'm actually going to go up there. Go up there this time because last time we were there, we were in Woodstock, where they're based, and we didn't have a chance to go in there while they were open. But uh, this time, I'm hoping to get a chance to go in and and kind of introduce myself, really, and say, you know, here I am, and I sell your stuff for you. Well, you you got to kind of have an appointment. They. Oh, oh no! I, I, I will ring ahead. Just... I won't just turn up on the doorstep yeah. and go hello. Well, maybe reach out to Larry. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, uh, but I'd like to. I'd like to go and stick my head in the door and say hello as I'm going to be right there. You know. One of the cool things when you approach that facility is they have their own wind turbine, mm-hmm. and it. You look at the pictures online and you're like, okay, it's a wind turbine. Oh, great. That's that's cool. But you don't really appreciate the size and scope of that thing until you go there and you're like, holy crap, that thing is massive. And they start talking about it and you realize they're completely energy independent there. They produce so much energy, they sell energy back to the grid. Yeah. In the Austin facility, their whole roof is nothing but solar panels. So... This isn't a company that just sells products and, and makes a profit. They're they're investing in their business and in energy independence, which and, and new types of energy. Well, wind t- turbines and, and solar panels isn't new, but it's new in big commercial use, you know. Yeah. And I like seeing that stuff, you know. I I saw that. Um that uh tesla were um have announced they started selling those solar roof tiles that they've been developing for a while um i i do i wonder how how long it's going to be for, before pretty much anybody can get the kind of setup that 
that um, OWC have, you know, kind of in a home setting, really. Yeah, like, and to... it's it's really a, a matter of scale. Once these bigger companies have scaled that kind of production to make them affordable, then, okay, well, you can get regular roof tiles, you can get uh, the ceramic stuff, you can get uh, a steel roof, like I have, a metal roof, or, hey, you know, for another... You know, let's say that the steel roof is the most expensive, metal roof is the most expensive. It's going to cost you on your particular house with installation twelve thousand. But you know what? If you go fourteen thousand, you can have the same protection, uh, a better warranty, and there'll be solar panels, and it will save you money every single month on your electric bill. Yeah. At for an extra two thousand dollars, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it would. And, and just the savings alone from your electric bill is going to make up that 2000 bucks in two or three years. Easy. But the, you see, the real advantage of that is once it becomes cheap enough that everybody can start doing that and new houses get it built in, then all of a sudden you get all this extra generation capacity in the grid kind of for free. Yep. You know, in terms of a macroeconomic scale. Uh, and then all of a sudden you, you ha you're making a serious impact into into a whole country's kind of energy footprint and carbon footprint. Absolutely. And that's something that, we, you know, I'm, I'm sure in 50 years' time, people will be stunned that nobody had this sort of technology built into any any building because, you know, it's just going to become standard. If you think about it, the amount of solar energy that drenches every square centimetre of the Earth Completely is, wasted. Is, in, is enough to power power our civilization many times over, and yet most of it goes to waste. In perpetuity, forever. It's not yeah. going to run out. I mean, and if it does, we're going to die anyway. So yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, and and to be honest with you, we, everything runs on solar now because the the oil we burn comes from fossil fuels, and those fossil fuels would uh, were generated from plants using captured solar energy. That's where the energy came from. It's all solar eventually. It's just burning fossil fuels is not so great for um for our current environment. That's absolutely correct. And more than that. It's not just capturing it, it's also storing it. And that's the other part of what Tesla's business is about with their batteries. So if we really embrace that here in the United States, you guys did in the UK, France did it, Germany did it, Japan did it, China starts doing it. Um, you take the power away from regions of the world that have a lot of problems simply because of the energy fossil fuels that they export. You know, you take a lot of that away from them. Maybe things change there. Yeah, maybe things change everywhere. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the ways of, of... There are places in the world that are short of water. Um, right. So you have more energy than you ever need, and it doesn't have an environmental impact. Then all of a sudden, you can take water out of the oceans, get rid of the salts using energy by using desalination, and then everyone's got water. Yep, uh, and if they see levels are rising because of climate change, but you're taking billions of gallons of water out every day to uh, serve the water needs of the planet, then um, obviously you're you're helping to mitigate the sea rise change as well. So it all it all makes sense. Why doesn't why is nobody on board with this? You would think so. <laughs> yep. Hold on, I just got a text from someone. Well, where where's my car? No. Somebody <laughs> wanted to... Yes. I'm sorry. Someone wanted to know if I sold a blue Tacoma yesterday, and the answer is yes. That's the one that the guy got. Yeah. 
So anyways, OWC is in Woodstock. You're going to go visit it. If you can't get in, hey, at least you can see the wind turbine. That's pretty cool, too. Oh, let me in one way or the other. All I need is an open window. Open, 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 open. <laughs> there was a commercial lady who was beating on a, a door going open, open, open. I don't remember what it was for now. That'd be funny to have me stood outside. Yeah. Beating on the door. Let me in. So we do want to encourage our listeners to send us feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Tech Fan Podcast, and of course the Facebook. Um do we got any feedback? I don't think we do. We don't I've not seen any. Yeah. So I wanted to uh get to our cause like I said earlier, I'm short on time today. Um I want to get to our wiki thing here in a minute, but we didn't get to this last week, and that's the Echo Show. It's a mm. little $229 device that everybody knows what the Echo is at this point from Amazon. It's a little speaker that you can talk to it, and it can give you stuff. And uh, They kind of got in trouble for inserting an ad for Beauty and the Beast just recently as well on this thing. But Amazon has a new product in this category now, and it's kind of combining uh, the Echo with FaceTime in a way because it's a video screen and you can have calls back and forth and obviously they both people have to be um, on a high-speed network and they have to be Amazon Prime members or at least Amazon members to use this and you can have little chats now the device itself looks like a very 19 mid 1990s screen with the it, it looks it, cheap it kind of looks how the 1980s thought that the 2000s would look yes it, it really yes it does yeah. i i was kind of surprised when i saw leaked images of this i thought nah that's not that's probably not what it's gonna uh, be yeah and, i gotta remember yeah, the first the first amazon kindle was kind of a truly but ugly beige device that yes. actually looks a little bit like this um i think i'm sure it will iterate over time they Presumably decided that this is a bit of a punt. Maybe they shouldn't spend too much on the industrial design first time out. <laughs> I think that might have been a mistake. I don't. I don't. I'm trying to figure out where this would fit in with. To me, us to me, I'm mean, the first thing that, that that comes to mind when I look at this is this is a kitchen device, and it, it, I think the aesthetics will work best in the kitchen. I agree. In the, you know, it's kind of utilitarian. Yep. Um, Look right, right next to a flat, which means you can wipe it down easily. Um, and and I believe that's I reckon that's where what they've got in mind with this. I I, I think you might be right, or at least onto something. Yeah, it, it's not a multi-purpose device in that you can just call cell phones or something. It's it's echo to echo. That's what it is. Echo show to echo show. I guess. Though they're smart in that the the Alexa app that you run on devices will also talk to this. So it's not just you know if somebody's out and about and they want to talk to somebody over the echo show then they just fire up the app on their smartphone so as i say again that kind of use case to me fits with the kitchen you know you have somebody at home who's working in the kitchen or one of the main rooms of the house and then somebody else is out and about who wants to speak to them then they can do it over audio video using this um from their device i like the concept more than the execution that i'm seeing so far yep but even uh, if this was an apple product that was a whole lot more slick look looking and obviously worked in the a Apple ecosystem with FaceTime or 
if they're really smart, they would open up the API so it would work with Skype and stuff like that as well. Um, I still don't know if I would want it because what? if I want to FaceTime with Julie, she's got her iPhone. Mm. Same thing with Brittany. You know, yeah, I, I don't need I, again, this. Again, I, I see this as something where somebody wants to FaceTime you and you don't want to be looking at a device. You're in the middle of doing something else. Which again kind of fits with the kitchen thing, and a lot of people have tablets in their kitchen for recipes and yeah. streaming video and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm withholding my judgment on this because I just don't. I don't know. But I, I think the original Echo was like that as well, and then it came out and it turned to be a, a bit of a sleeper hit. I can imagine this being the same. Well, time will tell. I I hope yeah. it is. To be honest with you, I I like this new kind of tech stuff. I mean that's kind of yeah. what this show is about technology and not just new technology or current technology and past technology, but all technology and not just of the computer variety, even though we tend to spend more time on that category than any other. Yeah. Um, Funnily enough, uh, I, I spoke to my wife and I were discussing this morning over breakfast about whether we're going to keep the echo because she keeps turning it off because she says we keep getting Nigerian radio coming through it. <laughs> And, so and I, I've tried to I, I've never heard heard or seen it do this I've been trying to understand how they're doing this I, I can only presume that it's picking up something somebody is saying in the room and interpreting it as a request for Nigerian radio but I, 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 I find it difficult to visualize that chain of events but I've been told by several people in the family that this keeps happening and so they keep turning it off and of course, that really winds me up because then I come home and I want to use it, and it's off. And when you turn an, uh, an echo on, it takes about two minutes to boot up. So um, I find that really kind of irritating. Yeah, uh, that's. But I, I said, look, cheesy. I said, look, if we're not going to use it, we need to get rid of it because no point as having a, you know, a 150 pound device sat there doing nothing because it's not powered on. Right. And by 150 pound device, he doesn't mean how much it weighs because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much they go for use, but I would imagine I'll be able to move it on fairly easily. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what? I kind of like using it. I, I'll be, I'd be sad to see How do you deactivate your account on it? Uh, you can do that on You can do that on Amazon. You can basically oh, disconnect yeah, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got you. This your connected device. Yeah. So one of the new features that we're doing here every week on TechFan, and this week it was mine to randomly select our topic, is wiki trolling, which we're still looking for a better name. Yep. <laughs> so this one, uh, you know, look, I, I hit the random button and half of the ones that show up at first anyways aren't topic worthy. It's like two sentences to a bio, to a biography for some guy I've never heard of. Well, that's boring and we're not going to do that. So I'm, I'm looking for something that has content, that has a little bit of history to it. Um, oh, you found a good one. I, I, I'm really kind of down with this one. I'm very excited to talk about this one yeah i I read this this one popped up and i said oh you know what it has nothing to do with tech fan but this is kind of cool this is basically this is the real life version of that airwolf tv show yeah yeah it kind of (laughs) is so our wikipedia entry this our wiki trolling this week i should say is the mcdonald not mcdonald's mc d-o-n-n-e-l-l XV-1. Now, I'm going to put a link in the show notes directly to this Wikipedia article. And the uh, the McDonald XV-1 was an experimental compound gyroplane developed for a joint research project or program between the United States Air Force 
and the United States Army to explore technologies to develop an aircraft that could take up take off the what that could take off and land like a helicopter but fly at faster airspeeds similar to a conventional airplane the XV1 would reach speeds of 200 miles an hour faster than any previous rotorcraft but the program was terminated due to a uh, tip jet noise and complexity of the technology which gave it only a modest gain in performance so it looks like a helicopter because it kind of is yeah. it's a helicopter with little stubby wings and a tail conventional tail and it has that kind of bubble it, well, it also has thing. wings coming off the side yeah exactly um so the limitation with a with a helicopter is that um the clo the faster you want to go in a helicopter if you think about it those tips the the the, the helicopter is held up by the rotor and as the rotor rotates then the tips of the rotor is either going into the airstream as it goes forward and then it's going round and going behind the airstream as it goes round the other way and it's going round and round so that's what it does so the problem with that is that the faster that rotor needs to go the more drag you get and then the stronger it needs to be and eventually the tips of the rotor start approaching the sound barrier and at that point you have all sorts of problems because it's very unstable and you so that limits kind of the ultimate performance of a helicopter. The way they tried to deal with that in this is quite a unique approach. Is like, why don't we put engines on the end of the rotor? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and basically drive it through the sand barrier. Uh, and that's kind of what they, yeah, well, that's what, kind of what they tried to do. Which... Well, they didn't try. They did it. I mean, well, yeah. in 1951, the Air Force announced a competition to develop a compound helicopter, an aircraft that could take off and land vertically like a helicopter, but could cruise at higher air speeds than a conventional helicopter. The joint research program was conducted or was being conducted by the Air Force's Research and Development Center and the Army's Transportation Corps. Bell Aircraft submitted a design for the XV three. Sikorsky Aircraft submitted an S fifty seven, a retractable rotor design, and McDonald submitted a design modified from its M twenty three design. Now obviously McDonald gets this. In 1951, they got it. Uh, they got the letter of intent, uh, and they built it. And, you know, nowadays, this would be crazy timing. But from when they signed it, they had a working design 22 months later with yeah. fabrication. The first aircraft was ready for test flights by early 1954. That's crazy fast. Uh, Think about yeah, that. that. I, I, th I think health and safety nowadays becomes a bit more an issue than it was back in the 50s. Built mostly from aluminum, the XV-1's fuselage consisted of a streamlined tube mounted on landing skid gear with a rear-mounted engine and a pusher propeller. This it, generally does genuinely does look like if you took a small plane and stuck a rotor on the top. It and does. Skids. That's basically what this thing but looks like. But with a big bubble nose. Well, not bubble, yeah. but, you know, elongated. It... it it's so hard to describe what this thing looks It's Well, just look at your show notes because I'm going to use the yeah. picture of this thing in the show notes uh, for the album art this week. Uh, the, the funny thing about it is you actually read... I mean, the, apparently they had 600 hours in this. So, um, when they built two of them. Yeah, it kind of worked. But um, as, as kind of the intro said, they said performance-wise, it wasn't that much better than an ordinary helicopter for a lot more complexity. And what I find interesting is because it had 
jet engines effectively at the end of each rotor it was very noisy it was super uh, noisy <laughs> and, and i like it. it ground personnel who described the tip net noise as quotes extremely irritating <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it was nearly as loud half a mile away as it was when you were stood next to it so uh yeah it, yeah it, that's loud <laughs> well, um it says uh by the spring of 1955 uh, no, I'll, I'll, let me skip down. After three years and nearly 600 hours between the two aircraft, because they built two of them, uh, the XV-1's contract was canceled in 1957. Ultimately, mm. it was determined that the XV-1's <laughs> converter plane configuration was too complex for the small advantages gained over conventional helicopters. The piston engine could not produce enough power to optimize the design advantages. Technological advances in conventional helicopter rotor design and engines in the following years would eventually negate the XV-1's performance margin. The noise level was 116 decibels in the cockpit, and even higher on the ground, for ground personnel who described the tip jet noise as extremely irritating, and the noise level was still 90 decibels a half mile away. McDonald will try to capitalize on the tip jet rotor technology with a small crane helicopter design des uh, designated the Model 120 and first flown on 13 November 1957. So, of course, they have solved this problem now and so have something that can fly as fast as a yeah, plane and also land like a helicopter. And that's called the, um, there's a, a machine called the V-22 Osprey, which basically is like... Um, well, a Harrier will do that too. It will land. Well, Harry, yeah, but the problem with Harrier is they wanted they wanted something that kind of you know had the lifting capacity and capability of a helicopter as well. I got and you. that's what the, that's what the Osprey gives you. The Osprey basically has two helicopter engines mounted on the side on a, on the end of a wing, and then it can rotate forwards and turn it into a big propeller. Correct. Um, and um, that is, I think the, Mar the U.S. Marines are, are big big fans of that because of the lifting capacity. So yeah, you can um, lift a tank they end up solving this problem a different way. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing that in in the early 1950s, they were already looking at stuff like this. This yeah. isn't too long after World War II. Yeah, but I, I think the reason for that is that aerospace was incredibly rapidly developed during World War II mm -hmm. because of the needs of the war, and, and that continued on for a good while. Um, and it's just unfortunately nowadays that we end up with programs that, that move incrementally slowly for billions of dollars of investment and you know, don't really give you the big kind of cool strides that, that these guys were trying to do back then. I wonder if this thing's on display because it was donated um, to the Smithsonian Institute's National Air and Space Museum in Washington in 1964. I wonder if that's still sitting there. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see video of this thing actually flying mm -hmm. as well. Um, but, you know, back then it was probably really secret. And... But if there is it's... footage... From that time, I bet it's online somewhere now because none of that it would it wasn't classified or anything. No one's going to make this now. Yeah, <laughs> especially much, from the irritating noise. Yeah, there's a lot of videos of the uh, of the XV15, which led to the Osprey, but there's, I can't see I can't see anything here of the XV1, which um, is a shame. It sounds like a neat project, and it just goes to show you that for every success new product out there that you get to buy imagine how many failed products were left languishing for one reason or another i think apple themselves have said 
for all the products they develop, you only see 10%. I mean, 90% of them are failures that for one well, reason or another, they don't make it to the public. There is, the, I mean, in engineering and science, there is really no such thing as a failure because even if something doesn't work as you intended, you learn something. Mm -hmm. So um, you kind of, you build everything on, on the basis of even the failures that have gone before. Boy, you think no. that they would recognize that in politics and use the same things, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to carry over there. If, I, I'll tell you, not to get too political for a minute, but if um, if the future is built on the failures of others, then we've got a great future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt. So, yeah, that's our wiki trolling. Next week, uh, will you be here next week or is no? No, next week I am on vacation. I'm going on a cruise for a week. Going to go to the D-Day landing sites, actually. I'm quite excited about that. Oh, that'll be fun. To, uh, go to Omaha Beach and mm -hmm. see where uh, where uh, everyone came ashore for uh, the end of World War Two. So that's going to be interesting. So, yeah, I'm on all those big, you know, huge cruise ships cruising around uh, France and Spain Out of, this week. The, I'm sure it's going to be a a fun time, but also kind of a solemn time because when you realize how many people die there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, a historic place, but that doesn't mean it was without its sacrifices. Oh, um, we won't and, have the um, we did today yeah. without those sacrifices. Indeed. So uh, my my son's been studying it in history, so uh, I wanted to take the opportunity to take him there and go and see the actual place. So yeah, that's that a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, so next week I'll come up with another wiki trolling, whether it's by myself or um, maybe Owen Rubin. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I might just do a solo show and really focus on maybe a couple. Maybe I'll pick a couple different things off wiki since I'll be doing a solo show, unless something big happens or I get uh, some really great feedback from you guys out there listening. If you want, if you want to come cover some cool in, in um, engineering, then take a look at the uh, the ship I'm going to be on because it's a bit of a monster. Send me a link. I will do. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, and So I will be back in a couple of weeks because I'm still cruising the week afterwards. So. I gotcha. So with that, we're going to wrap up this uh, kind of a shorter episode because I I got to go to work. Yep. Yep. It happens. So David, thanks so much for uh, finding a nice quiet area there in the office to uh, to do Tech Fan because I occasionally I think I might have heard something, but it might have been my own voice echoing through. I can't tell. They've all been very well behaved. I'm yeah, sure I'm going to get questions after I'm done though. Oh yeah. What are, what are you doing over there, man? <laughs> Knock that off. You're creeping us <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> David, I'll see you uh, in three weeks, I suppose. See you then. Yeah.